right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to our show today. We're here at GradCast, the official radio show of the Society of Graduate Students. I'm Tanya, and joined here with my co-host, Roger. Hello there. And today we have Navneet joining us. Navneet is a master's candidate coming from the Applied Mathematics Department. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for being here. Um, so we are both our first time interviewing a mathematician, and so we're both very excited. <laughs> um, but before we even get started, I have a confession to make. I haven't done math since grade 12. Okay. It's not too far That's from the truth for me as well. All right. On the same page there, I promise. All right. So you're really going to walk us mm -hmm. through this one. <laughs> yeah. I get that a lot, so I'm fine with that. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. So let's just start with what is applied mathematics? Mm, okay, so applied mathematics as opposed to pure mathematics. Mm -hmm. So a pure mathematician would work on on just mathematical theorems and proofs. He's trying to dis he's trying to uncover properties, mathematical properties of of just pure abstract concepts. Whereas an applied mathematician would use math to to study and something else outside of math. Okay. For instance, uh, some of my colleagues they use math. They use mathematical models to study. Mm, a stock market or or like or like myself i i use math to study biological systems mm -hmm. so the math is just a tool to study something else that's okay. great that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you said you're using math now to study biological mm -hmm. systems that's right um so talk to us a little bit about how you link math and biology how does what is how does that happen for you okay um so when you construct a math model, a mathematical model, mm, before okay, before you actually construct a mathematical model, uh, you need to know what you're studying. In this case, I'm studying a biological system, and one thing that biological systems do is they do exhibit patterns. You're always looking for patterns, like a population which grows and decays, grows and declines periodically, or uh, that's, for instance, like that's that's the Canadian lynx. Mm. The population of the Canadian lynx grows and declines periodically, and that's that's something which is like just been of interest to ecologists for many years now. Mm -hmm. Or um, or there are certain species of animals which just um, cluster together. They're very gregarious. So if you look at their populations, it's it's very patchy. That's again another pattern. Mm -hmm. So you're always looking for patterns. And when you have a pattern, you can use math to describe any pattern. Okay, so let's take two steps back. Mm -hmm. You said mathematical model. Is that mm -hmm. the same thing as an equation? Or what does a mathematical model mean? Right, it's an equation. It's mm -hmm. an equation that, mm, it's an equation that describes this biological system. Mm -hmm. And well, you have you have certain parameters within this biological system. There are certain variables that you can use when you're talking about this biological system. Like if you're talking about animals, for instance, like how how fast do they reproduce? How fast do they die? Or how many offsprings does each generation have? So these are all numbers. Right. And 
So that's what I mean by parameters, just numbers that you can put on this biological system. And then you use that to make a model. It's, it's very interesting. You know, my, my uh, elementary school teachers always told me that math would be used in uh, cases outside of school. And I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to hear that they were right in this case, at least. Uh, very happy, actually. Um, and Nav, you, you were saying that you... Um, uh, use math mm -hmm. uh, in an applied sense to study biological systems. Do you want to uh, speak a little bit more to uh, the type of biological systems and how you might use math to uh, study that? Okay, so so what I study is a predator-prey system. So you have a population of, say, rabbits and foxes. The rabbits are reproducing at a certain rate. The foxes feed on the rabbits and they reproduce at a certain rate. So now what happens to this population? Like, like if there are too few rabbits, then the foxes die out. Mm -hmm. If there are too many rabbits, the foxes are going to start eating a lot more. And so it's you see this sort of a an, an interaction over there between these two. Uh, almost like a coevolution. They're keeping each other in check, the two different right, populations. Right, they do keep each other in check. For instance, if, the, if we had too many rabbits, they would go about eating all your garden mm -hmm. and <laughs> and then the, and the, so we need those foxes to keep your garden in check mm. very right. interesting so your mathematical model mm -hmm. or equation then can is your goal then to determine the relationship between predators and preys what what do we i guess what does the model help us solve okay so um so what I'm looking at specifically is predatory learning, as in predators. So of course, when, when a fox is hunting for a rabbit, it learns certain things about the rabbit. Mm -hmm. It's not just a dumb animal that, that's running around wild trying to find a rabbit. Mm -hmm. it, it has an idea of where the rabbit would be, or like it's been, it's been hunting in this space for a while, so it knows that maybe there aren't any rabbits around here and it moves to another location. Mm -hmm. So a so the fox is always learning about the rabbit, and even if it does learn, it might forget about the certain things that it has learned. So what I'm trying to find is, if you had if you had this if you had this predator that was learning about these prey, in what way does it, um, in what way does it influence this whole dynamics over here? Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to find, look at is um, if you have this forest and the rabbits and foxes are all around the place, now how does, um, how do they move around in this space? Yep. And in the end, what does this distribution look like? Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to get just a pockets of rabbit populations and fox populations or is it going to be just a nice uniform mix of rabbits and foxes like what happens if a predator is learning about the prey yeah. i see so, so your model is dynamic enough in the sense that it's able to um uh, locate or assess the distribution or, or the location of different uh, species the populations of these uh, different species right that again goes back to what you're looking for and what your model can account for because definitely a model is going to miss out on few details mm -hmm. like I, I remember this quote once that every model is wrong 
but some are useful. <laughs> so it's, um, Tell your math teacher that. <laughs> so I, I guess in, in that sense, it, it, would, it would mean that, uh, and I'm just taking a stab at this, mm -hmm. but that uh, no model uh, can really uncover everything, but some models under the right circumstances when used in the right ways right. Uh, can be useful to uh, discover something new. Exactly. It depends on what questions you're asking for. And then you construct a model based on that. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So, with your model that you've, you've you're working on, um, how do you decide what questions are needed to create this model? Hmm. So you talked a little bit about um, the reproduction of rabbits right. and mm -hmm. the foxes, or you talked about um, how how quickly the rate at which they reproduce. So, what else do you need to know to make this model? Or do you think you need to know? Well, definitely you need to know um, how many of these rabbits and foxes are there. Mm -hmm. Like that's easy to collect on a field, like from your field data. Mm. Like you can, you go about and you get a, you get a pretty good estimate of how many foxes and rabbits are there at this time of the year. And a few months from now, how many are there? Mm -hmm. So you get to see what's the number of foxes and rabbits in this population, in this habitat. Right. So that's something, so that is one information that we need. And um, mm, on an average, how many offsprings, how many, how many offsprings does a rabbit produce or a fox produce? And, um, mm, Yeah, well, I can't think of anything else that's... I suppose, though, it, in, uh, basically, um, the uh, model is composed or constructed on the basis of the questions that you're asking, and that's going to be... Uh, the answer is going to uh, rest on the questions that you feed into it to begin with. Is, is, that, is that right? Am I understanding that right? Yes, yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, does, okay, so I guess, I does your yeah. model then, does it work for rabbits and foxes or does it work for all animals? Like, could we look at, mm -hmm. you know, um, birds and worms in the area? Like, do, do you see what I mean? Like, is it um, kind of what Roger was saying? Does it depend on the question? So if we were looking at sea animals, mm -hmm. would it change the, the items that we need to know in oh, order definitely. to... Definitely. When you're looking at, when you're looking at the sea, for instance, mm -hmm. like in the ocean... Um, you need to. It's it's very different from a land system, from a from a terrestrial system. Because mm -hmm. when you're when you're on a terrestrial system, when you're on the land, you can move only in two directions, mm -hmm. just forward and back, just on two dimensions. You know, it's like you can imagine as a flat playing field. Whereas in the sea, it's you can go up, down, left, right, forwards mm -hmm. and backwards. Whereas in the land, you cannot go up and down. You go only forwards, backwards, and left and right. Yep. Yep. So that's a huge difference between, uh, put in a mathematical term, the dimensions of the system. Mm -hmm. So I think, I wonder, um, at least for me, like I said, I haven't done math in a while. Math mm -hmm. has always sort of been, you know, this is the equation that you use and it works like this all the time. Mm -hmm. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Always. Right. That's just right. the way it works. So it's interesting to hear that math can be modifiable or it can change mm -hmm. depending on, like you said, if this... Um, 
concept was being applied to land animals and mm-hmm. if on the land which animals it'll change based on that as well so i guess um what's kind of what's what's surprising and what i think i have a question about is how do you change the model do you just kind of it depends on the question and that's kind of what roger was saying before so do you say you know i'm going to determine predatory learning which is mm-hmm. what you explained is how the predator um understands their prey mm-hmm. would it then you know once you're working with elephants the questions will or the aspects of your model will change if you work with giraffes it will mm-hmm. change is that kind of how it works right exactly so um speaking about predatory learning one thing important would be how fast can these predators move around mm-hmm. and that's definitely different if you're looking at a fox it's maybe a fox a fox can move pretty fast but a bear is it's quite slower mm-hmm. or a shark in the ocean is quite fast mm-hmm. so again so that's mm, again your model needs to change according to all that so, so, so for what i'm getting is uh, you ask the question mm-hmm. and then you construct the model right uh, to answer the question that Based you're asking on, on right, first exactly. place yeah. and depending on the question you need to input different types of information into the model right definitely okay that's really cool so what does what does a day in the lab or in research look like mm-hmm. for you how do you how do we kind of now we know the overarching goal of your research but how do you get there what happens on a daily basis for you well so i'm for me and for my colleagues well we meet a supervisor about once a week or maybe twice a week if you're lucky and 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 we go over the questions that we started off with like what are we trying to answer here and what's the best model suited for this and what's the literature out there saying about our question like pretty much every question you ask has already been asked before <laughs> <laughs> so now you want to look at what's been done about this question and mm-hmm. what are the still gaping holes in this question that or what the can answer you contribute? there right exactly yeah. what can i contribute to this mm-hmm. and then you try to figure out okay so maybe these people haven't looked into certain aspect of this answer that they've left they've left a, a loophole over there so now i want to look into that mm-hmm. so you already see that what i'm trying to what i'm trying to find is something very very specific mm-hmm. it gets narrowed down further yeah and so then so then once you narrow down further and further it becomes easier to frame your question right and once you frame your question then you use you construct your model mhm and that's that's i guess about the first year of your masters <laughs> like just figuring out what you want to answer what's a specific thing you want to answer and and framing the model and then you got to plug away with the model and try to find results and mm-hmm. and then you meet your supervisor every now and then to show him what your progress is like and what the next direction would be to take And that's the phase you're in now after completing or almost completing your first year of your right. masters. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Just just to go back to the model really quickly. Mm-hmm. I I had a quick question about that. You, you were mentioning that uh you, you depending on the question of course you input different types of information so mm-hmm. the birth or the death rates or how fast a certain uh predator or prey species moves in, in your circumstance with the uh predatory learning. But and I'm and, and this is partially the question but you don't actually input the 
species or the animal that you're talking about mm -hmm. into the model itself. You're just, you're just inputting this data or mm -hmm. this information that's that's relative to the species. Is that correct? Right. So I guess an extension of that would be, could the data then represent many different species? And then could your model, uh, see if you were talking about uh, birds and worms and the birth and death rates of these two species match on to the, the foxes and, and the uh, other species mm -hmm. you were speaking about earlier, could the data then become construed or is this a possible uh, limitation? Uh, yes, to, exactly. To That's, that is a limitation of the model or of what we can actually do with the model. Because no matter how detailed your model is, you're going to miss out on something. Right. So it could be that a rabbit and a mouse has the same birth rate and death rate, in which case when you put in, when you plug in those numbers, you aren't sure, are you looking at a rabbit or are you looking at a mouse? Hmm. But Interesting. And do you, do you take that into account? Say, say you're making mm -hmm. your, your model for foxes and mice, would you mm -hmm. uh, say, okay, uh, these other species are very similar to these uh, foxes and mice, so these data then may be uh, confounded or, or misconstrued because of that? Mm. No, I'm not looking at that. Fair enough. Not okay. yet, but that could be a question that I might ask later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why is it that you um, almost blind the animal that you're looking at? Why is it that the model cannot mm -hmm. be, you know, I'm specifically looking at this model for cats. Why is it that you need to, it, you, do you see what mm -hmm. I'm trying to ask? Right, I see that. Because um, you would need too many numbers to to pinpoint a cat. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, trying to, if you're trying to make a difference, if you're trying to put numbers down on a cat, you would need to way too many numbers to describe a cat, like how fast does a cat move, at what time of the day is a cat active, and when is it asleep, mm. or uh, what does it eat, or how many mice does it eat, or like how many how many babies does it produce? Like there are just too many numbers, you see. To put or, in there, right? Mm -hmm. To put in there to say, okay, this is definitely a cat. Okay. I see it's awake from eight to five, and it's asleep the rest of the time. So this should be a cat, mm. and not. A coyote which is nocturnal hmm. so there is way too many numbers that you need to put in if you're gonna pinpoint a cat down yeah and we can't do that okay at least it, it takes up way too much computational efforts okay interesting and I, and I guess that sort of speaks uh, to what you were talking about earlier in that the question that you're asking mm -hmm. within the model it, it kind of directs what information you're putting in there if you're trying to talk about predatory learning mm -hmm. as you are you're not going to really be concerned with how many offspring are, are necessarily uh, certain certain other exactly, uh, yeah. information that's right, right. Hmm. so um, do you have to then is work with biologists or do you uh, look at the literature in other fields to and bring it to math is it a collaborative approach mm. there is i do i do look at literature from the biological side but so far i haven't collaborated with anyone mm -hmm. and besides most of the work that i do is heavy on the mathematical side right because we already have a lot of data about biological systems and what's strange about them and the open questions about biological systems. So what I'm trying to focus on more is the is the mathematical side of it. Mm -hmm. But do you think, I guess, your work then, would it be beneficial to 
biologists or even like you mm -hmm. were saying rabbits in our garden is it is that kind of i'm applying this math further i guess <laughs> um, right it is mm -hmm. it is it is useful but again it depends on what question you're asking mm -hmm. and what question you're trying to answer right, right so if you're trying to figure out why is my garden being eaten up so badly like and maybe the answer could be there just aren't enough foxes hmm. so hmm. then which is why um which is why they bring in new species they actually introduce new species into a territory to fight and and another invasive species mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like you might have seen in the news when if the if there are too many locusts in an area in a region they bring in chameleons and lizards to eat up the locusts interesting and they don't do that unless they know clearly that okay we need to we just we just don't have enough lizards over here mm -hmm. and hence we need to bring in lizards mm -hmm. so so yes it does go into policy making interesting so is this a one-time effort by whoever is introducing the new species to override the invasive species or would this be a continuous uh, man-made effort uh, over a long period of time i imagine it would be a continue um, a continuous effort and not just a one-shot solution to it because hmm. it could go the other way your so your answer could just backfire where now you have too many lizards in your like if you introduce <laughs> lizards and then they start eating and reproducing and now you have too many lizards yeah so you always want to be careful about introducing a new species into a region mm -hmm. that's really cool that you know in this this short little segment you've been able to of course speaking about applied math but it touches on biology and you now talked about how it links to policy making and mm -hmm. that's kind of you know the i think maybe it's too much to say but kind of what we hope in grad school that collaboration that we learn how our research can be applied in so many different different fields different aspects and um even coming back to the beginning of our show we talked about you know when you learn math you don't really know how math is applied so it's really cool right. to see that it's yes applied in your education but mm -hmm. then other people can also use this information in their own fields as well right um so you actually came from a background of physics mm -hmm. how does that bring you here mm, it's actually pretty straightforward because physics is again quite heavy on the math side but you're just using math to model a physical system like an atom mm -hmm. or mm, or, or something much bigger than an atom like a ball that's falling down is mm -hmm. you plug in numbers you have an equation and now you have an idea of how this ball is going to bounce around so numbers definitely are your thing they excite you yep <laughs> awesome so what else are what other hobbies do you have aside from math when you're not um mm. behind numbers well i find that i find that when i'm in academia i really tend to get into my shell Mm -hmm. So my hobbies that I do are something that gets me out of the shell. Makes sense. And so I've been doing stand-up comedy for a while. Very cool. That's that's really a way to just put yourself out there. Maybe embarrass yourself most of the times, but still it's, <laughs> it's Do you it's make a, mathematical jokes? Mm, a few, a few. <laughs> <laughs> want to give yeah. us an example? Oh boy. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't want to ruin your act for the crowds. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but another thing that I yeah. want to mention is uh, teaching. Okay. Because I'm a grad student, so I have to be a TA, and mm -hmm. I find that I actually enjoy teaching because it puts me out of my shell. Awesome. 
like just standing in front of under a class of undergraduates and trying to teach them something and that could that, be a challenge right that is that can be a challenge yeah. definitely but you know what we've got some pretty good workshops happening over here mm-hmm. it's organized by the teaching support center and so they go over the science of teaching and how you could be a better teacher mm-hmm. that's here at uh, the university of western ontario right it yeah. is yeah, and they have lots of great resources, including you can get a certificate in teaching to exactly. add to to your CV, and that's available to all graduate students from yeah. across all departments. Yes, it is. And they yeah. didn't even pay us for that little blip there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so as we're coming to the end of our show, uh, the last thing I just wanted to bring up is, Navneet's actually, um, you're here from India, and you joined us last mm-hmm. year. So yep. what, tell us a little bit about what it's been like. Mm. Well, for the most part, I like it because, mm-hmm. like I said, um, I used to do, when I was back in India, I used to do stand-up comedy as a hobby. And when I moved here, I kept doing it. Mm-hmm. And I actually found that people were quite happy with what, I was, with what I was presenting, them, like this whole Indian perspective of things. And in that sense, I do find Canadians quite welcoming of, of international people. So, yeah, for the most part, it's been good. That's glad. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If anybody wanted to learn a little bit more about your work, Mm -hmm. um, is there anywhere they could go to see that? Or do you have an email or anything that they can reach you at? Well, um, so my supervisor is Dr. Jeff Wild at the Applied Mathematics Department. Mm -hmm. And he has a research page. And you could find all about our research over there. Awesome. Myself and my colleagues. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Navneet. Um, So this is Navneet here with us. He's a master's candidate from Applied Mathematics. And my name is Tanya, co-hosted with... Roger. And you have been tuned into the official radio show of the Society of Graduate Students, GradCast. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. You can also look us up um, on iTunes, Google Play, um, or you can even stream us on our website, gradcast.ca. So if you miss any of our shows, uh, feel free to log on and you can catch up. Also, if you are interested on being on the show, if you've got research that you're doing, you're a graduate student here at Western, we'd love to have you here. So again, that's GradCast. Uh, If you would like to join our committee, we have lots of roles for you, whether that be a host, maybe you'd like to do some behind the scenes work. Uh, We're a great group, so please send us an email if you'd like to join us, and we'll see you next time.